Betterment. Yes, the largest and fastest growing automated investing service designed with revolutionary technology to promote smarter investing, better returns, and to minimize your taxes now, later, and throughout retirement. Betterment, investing made better. Get up to six months free by visiting Betterment.com slash money. And if you love this show, you will go to Betterment.com slash money and sign up today. So let's get this show started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters, where compound interest keeps things interesting. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Good, dude. Just drinking my Gunny Mac, American Black Lager. You're saying Gunny? Gunny. G-U-N-N-Y. Like, if somebody has, like, a lot of guns that like shooting, they're very gunny? I, I think so. Okay. Or they just have, like, huge biceps. Oh, so they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they work out a lot. So I'm very gunny right now. Look how, <laughs> look how gunny these arms are. Ugh. Is that what you're, okay, I just wanted to make yeah. sure. Like, well, okay. like, like me, like, huge biceps. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it, I was, I was going to say, like Andrew, very gunny. Yeah. What, what are you drinking? I'm drinking water. That's how hammered I am. Mm. I'm getting real gunny over here with some bottled water. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, God, what a weird fucking way to start a podcast. Uh, <laughs> where compound interest keeps things interesting is the catchphrase, and that was sent in by Matt Comprude, I'm going to say. K-O-M-P-R-O-O-D. So uh, thank you, Matt, for that. You have a great first name, and you should send those into our Twitter account. It's at Money Matters Man, and you can send them in through Facebook like Matt did, and it's uh, f- Facebook.com slash Listen Money Matters. Why I can't get that right today, I do not know. Uh, today, we have a guest on the show. We're going to get into it. His name is Hal Elrod, and he's a keynote speaker and the best-selling author of The Miracle Morning. Hal, how are you? Dude, I'm fucking gunny. Well, I used to be up for my podcast. <laughs> You're allowed to I'm here. Gunny. <laughs> Open I'm the pod. I'm, I'm actually, you know what? I'm drinking bulletproof coffee, so I'm feeling bulletproof right oh, now. Oh man, nice. You man. know, I did that for a while, and I didn't. I I did it for I think about a month or two, and I didn't feel any better. I also didn't feel any worse. <laughs> it just kind of was just like, eh, I'm done dirtying up my blender. I'd rather just dirty up my French press. That's one. I, I wanted to clean less things, and you know, for some reason, I, I was drinking it in the morning, and then I was forgetting things. I was being very forgetful. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you've ha- had the same problem. How long you've been drinking bulletproof? Now, were you getting stoned right after you drank your bulletproof coffee? Because I've heard that can make you forgetful. Oh, is that not? Is your, are you not supposed to do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see. See here. I, see here. I am thinking I was going to get all you know bulletproofed up, and then you know toke my bong, and then I would have been good. That's how yeah. we started the podcast. No, like, but uh, yeah. Why, why, why is bulletproof coffee not working? I don't remember anything. This shit doesn't work, man. <laughs> yeah, awesome. But you no, like you're doing like, it. I like the taste. Dude. I just I like I, I can't have coffee without butter in it now without feeling like I'm missing something. Yeah, it does. It is. It is pretty. It is pretty tasty. So, uh, so th- all right. So I want to get into some things. So first, I want to say, yeah. um, open the pod bay doors, Hal. Have you heard that? Uh, no, I don't know what that means. No one has ever said that to you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. 
You know, you know the movie with with the the Two, space two thousand one, a space odyssey. Oh yes, I should. You guys are dating yourselves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if I've seen that movie. I, I mean, I'm familiar with it. Was it space odyssey two thousand? Yeah, two thousand one, space odyssey. And uh, you, you know, I have a uh, external hard drive that I I nickname Hal. And I also have uh, my old house. I had my um, my wireless internet router was was also named Hal. Wow, so th- this is a special interview for you. You've been oh, really, yeah. We're yeah. T- I'm talking, <laughs> we, I'm talking we only to invited a, you on because your name was Hal. Right. I'm talking to yeah. a celebrity computer right now. And you know where they got the name Hal? I just want to go on this this little, little tangent. tangent. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, the letters after IBM. Yes, the letters. Yeah, the letter preceding <laughs> IBM. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I know something. I know you know something. stuff. You know stuff. So speaking of knowing yeah. stuff, uh, all right. So you, you have quite an interesting backstory. And then you wrote uh, this book, The Miracle Morning. And I want to get into it. Uh, yeah. But tell me a little bit about, or let's let's tell everybody a little bit about your backstory because you have two major things that happened to you that I've, I've I've learned. Yeah, I call these my two rock bottoms, and we've all had a rock bottom before in our lives. It, it, it's in, and we usually we've had lots of them. It's it's a time in your life where you experience some sort of challenge or adversity that you've never experienced before, and it puts you in a position mentally in, into a dark place, just kind of mm-hmm. where you're like, I've never felt this way. I, I don't know if I can if I can overcome this. And I always kind of joke that. When I was in seventh grade, it was when Britney broke up with me. Like, that was my first rock bottom, right? <laughs> you know, like, the, the world, I didn't want to go to school. I don't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to live. Well, th- that's not the one I'm talking about. So my first real rock bottom, uh, at age 20, um, I know you guys are all about, you know, this is about making money. So at age 20, I was really fortunate. Um, actually, really, at 19 is when I started in sales. And I started earning, you know, I was a college freshman making $3,000 a week in commission. What? Oh, what, wow. you, what, the, wait, what? What were you doing? I was selling kitchen knives. You probably heard of Cutco before. Yes, I have. The, people actually made money with that. <laughs> I mean, dude, so yeah, the uh, I mean, I, I well, not not as much as me necessarily right up front. I, I broke the, some all time records. Like in, in the first ten days, I sold more Cutco than anyone in fifty years before me, and so they tend to reward you for that financially, right? Um, but, uh, but no, I, and that's why I got into it because I didn't want to sell knives. I wasn't a salesperson, but my buddy that I met in college, uh, Teddy. He was making really good money, and I was like, "Really selling the knives?" I'm like, "I'm not a salesman, but I saw the knives he showed and me. I'm like, these are amazing." And but then, are they amazing? Like, but are they? No, they're amazing, and, and more more than just how they perform so well is uh-huh. they're guaranteed forever. So I, I, when I would see customers back in the day, I'd see a customer that she bought her Cutco 50 years earlier, and one of the knives broke. I would send it in for her, and the company would send her a brand new knife free of charge. Huh. So. Yeah, I mean, their customer service is excellent. Um, and in fact, I actually give Cutco as gifts now to my clients. Like when somebody books me to speak, I'll engrave like like their logo or a nice message to them onto the knives and then send them like these really personalized knives and their wives love them, they love them, et cetera. So uh, a year and a half later, uh, I was driving home from a, a Cutco sales meeting. I, I'd actually, I was, the, I was the featured speaker that night. I'd given a uh, kind of like a motivational sales training message and driving on the freeway in my brand new Ford Mustang, which was like the dream car for me at age 20. You know, I had just bought it like three weeks earlier. Still had that new car smell. And uh, driving home at, at around 11.30 at night, a drunk driver in a much larger vehicle, full-size Chevy truck, got on the freeway. Uh, he, he got his, his car up to 80 miles an hour. He's flying down the freeway. The problem was he was going the wrong way. Oh, shit. And... I don't remember seeing the car coming at me. Um, I don't. I don't know if I if I acknowledge it. I don't know. I, I just don't remember. But uh, at around eleven thirty four, eleven thirty six p.m. I think it was. 
this full-size Chevy truck comes to 80 miles an hour. I'm going 70 miles an hour. We have a 150-mile-an-hour head-on collision. Whoa. Crash each other. The front of my Mustang, you know, just is crushed. The engine's crushed into the frame. And the worst is yet to come as my car spins off the drunk driver sideways. And the car behind me, according to the driver, you know, days later, didn't even have time to swerve or hit the brakes. They were doing 70 miles an hour, and the only couple car lengths behind me, they crashed into my door at 70 miles an hour. God damn. And to give everybody perspective on that, and this goes for you guys too, everybody look to your left real quick and imagine you're looking out your car window and imagine a car is driving 70 miles an hour and smashes into your car door. Jesus. And, and what you would imagine might happen is exactly what happened. The entire left side of the car was crushed into my body. My body was crushed into the center console. God the center console and my and my kind of met my hip and my pelvis broke in Oh three Jesus, I can't even listen. Oh go oh, ahead. It, sorry. it gets worse. Should I keep going or do you need yeah. to you need to talk nah, for a few minutes? No, nah, I got good. I'm oh. good. <laughs> Man up, dude. Drink your guinea or whatever. I know, right. <laughs> Shit. All right, so, so my femur, the biggest bone in the human body in mm -hmm. my left leg, breaks in half, and one half spears out the side of my thigh. Um, my humerus bone, the bone behind my bicep, also snaps in two, and one half spears kind of comes out of the skin behind my elbow. My elbow's crushed. The, the bones that support my eye are literally destroyed. I mean, it's all made of titanium now. And my ear is almost completely severed. It was only hanging on by about a half of an inch. And then the ceiling buckled and it sliced this big V into the top of my head. The metal from the ceiling broke through the cloth and it sliced my head open. And unable to withstand the pain, thank God, my, my brain uh, and, you know, shut my body down into a coma. And I was immediate. I was laying on the side of the freeway, literally bleeding down my face, my head, my ear, out my leg. I had a hole in my leg, a hole in my arm, and I was bleeding. And my best friend Jeremy was a minute behind me on the freeway. He came on the scene, ran out. You know, at first he didn't recognize that. He just thought, "Oh my God, this car is mangled. Who who's in that car? Oh my gosh!" And then he went, "Holy, you know that that's yeah. Hal's car." And he ran out and. He was yelling at me, and of course, because I was in a coma, I was unresponsive, and he sees all the blood, and he, he thinks, he assumed I must be dead. Right. And he took my pulse, and I was alive. And, um, you know, we can get as deep in the story as you want, but to keep a long story short, um, uh, uh, an hour later, they were able to finally use the jaws of life and cut me out of the car, and I bled to death. And I was dead for approximately six minutes on the side of the freeway, rushed to the hospital, Spent a coma in, uh, in a coma for six days, died twice. I flatlined twice during those six days. Then came out of the coma to the doctors telling me that I had permanent brain damage, 11 broken bones, and I would never walk again. Oh, my God. Oh, that was the most vivid description. Uh, all right. How Man, I think I'm sweating right now for listening to that. Uh, you – so, I, I mean – when, all right, hold on. Let me let me get my gears together. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just uh, all right. When you died for six minutes, yeah, I didn't even think it was possible to do that. Yeah, I think that I think the police report said that he was he was clinically dead or whatever verbiage yeah. they used for yeah. five five to six minutes. So what happened after that? You're you're in a coma for six days. What happens when you wake up from the coma? So, so I, I don't remember coming out of the coma, but I've been told basically the first week out of the coma is, is, is very fuzzy, but I've been told by so many people, all my friends, my family, my sister, my mom, my dad, 
my, you know, people that were there, yeah. they've told me what I did, what I said, so many different perspectives that I, I don't know where my memories end and where the story begins and kind of vice versa. Uh-huh. Um, so essentially from what, what I've been told when I came out of the coma, I, I was, I was, I was, I mean, I was in a hospital bed. I was, my, my ear was bandaged. My eye was, you know, bandaged. My, yeah. I mean, I was just, you know, I was, I was a mess. My leg was, I had, I have a 14 inch titanium rod in my leg to this day. I've got metal rod in my arm, two screws in my elbow, the plates in my eye. And I came out of the coma and I was real, I was, I was, I was confused. I was lethargic. I was in a lot of pain. I was, you know, and, and my poor parents had to explain what had happened to me. And the, the, the hard part was, I suffered very significant brain damage. So I literally had no short-term memory. Like you guys could have, you know, Matt Andrew visited me for three hours in the hospital, gone to lunch and come back. And I would have been like, hey guys, did you hear I was in a car accident? Right. Like I literally had no short-term memory. So when I, the first the first week I, would, I came out of the coma, I'd fall asleep. They, my poor parents would like, you know, have to like be crying and telling me what had happened to, you know, to their son. And now that I'm a dad, I, I get this at a deeper level. Like when I tell this story, from stage, if I'm speaking, I almost always like I can't hold it together, imagining what my mom and dad went through. But I would fall asleep, I'd wake back up, and I would completely have forgotten that I had come out of the coma before. And they literally had do- like more than a dozen times. They had to just like you know that movie Memento, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? They just had to read like tell me what happened. Then I'd fall asleep, wake up, and be like, where am I? What happened? And they'd have to tell me. Then I fall asleep, where and it was just over and over and over. Finally, it stuck. And here's the important part. Here's the here's the takeaway for everybody. Um, the uh, the doctors called my parents in. Well, first the the setup and then the takeaway. But the doctors called my parents in about a week after the accident, and uh, this was two weeks after the crash. Or I'm sorry, a week out of the coma, two weeks after the crash. And they sat my parents down. They said, uh, "We're very concerned with Hal. Uh, he, you know, physically he's he seems to be doing fine. His vitals are good. He's healing." But mentally and emotionally, um, we believe Hal is in denial uh, because every time we talk to him, whether it's his nurses, his doctors, his therapists, he's always smiling mm-hmm. and he's always laughing and he's always joking and making us laugh. And they said, that's not normal. Not for a 20-year-old young man that's been told he's never going to walk again, you know? Right. And they said, we need you to find out how he's really feeling. He, you know, he's, I'm sure he's sad or depressed or angry, but he's, he's right now he's just delusional because he can't accept what happened to him. And we see this a lot with accident victims. And so my dad came in, you know, 15 minutes later, I didn't know the conversation happened, but he, 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 he was real serious. I could tell he'd been crying. His eyes were red and kind of welled up and I'm laying in my hospital bed, you know, bandaged up and, um, my, my legs in a cast, my arms in a cast. And it's only been two weeks since the accident, a week I've been awake. I said, and he said, how, Hey, we need to talk. Um, you know, doctor said you're doing well physically, but they're a little concerned that, you might not be really embracing or acknowledging what happened to you. And you're kind of, you know, you're, I know when your friends are here, you're laughing and joking and telling stories, but how are you really feeling? Like when the lights go out at night, it's just you. Are you scared? Are you, are you sad? Are you depressed? Are you angry? You know, God knows your mom and I want to strangle that drunk driver for doing this to you. How are you really feeling? And I could tell my dad, again, I could tell he was very concerned. And so I really thought about it. I thought, am I sad? Am I angry? Am I depressed? Mm-hmm. And I looked at my dad. I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. And here's the takeaway. I said, dad, I live my life by the five minute rule. Remember? And he kind of looked at me funny. And I said, remember, I learned it in Cutco. It's okay to be negative, but not for more than five minutes. And I said, you know, we were taught this in, in training that, you know, things are not going to go your way in, in life, just like in your job. 
And there's no point in dwelling on it or wishing you could change something that's happened and it's now in the past and you can't change it. I said, Dad, I applied this to Cutco, but the principle is the same. I can't change that I was in a car accident. What value is there in me and wishing I could or feeling sorry for myself or being all the things you mentioned, sad, angry, depressed? I don't see how those are going to help me. They're just going to hurt me. I said, so I've already decided there's only one of two possibilities. If the doctors are right, number one, if I never walk again, I've already accepted that and I will be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair because I can't think of a better way to respond to that situation. The second option though, dad, and I said, this is what I'm putting all of my energy into my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm visualizing this. I'm a mad every day. All my energy goes into the second possibility, which is that I will defy the odds and I will walk again. I don't know when I, but I'm, but I'm, I, until I'm proven that, you know what, it's been two years, Al, you're not walking. I'll accept that. But in the meantime, I'm going to focus on what I do want. And I, I, you know, call it a coincidence, but one week later, the doctors came back with routine x-rays and they said, Hal, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Elrod, we, we've got some pretty exciting news. We don't know how to explain this, but Hal's body is healing at an incredible rate. We're going to let him take his first step tomorrow. So it went from never walk again to three weeks after my leg broke in half, my pelvis broke, and I was dead, I took my first step. So that was the road to recovery, kind of the beginning of it. Okay. I have two things to say. Number one, you have a lot of titanium in your body. <laughs> so you really are a supercomputer named Hal. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could lift up cars and shit, but my left arm doesn't actually, <laughs> my left arm still doesn't work very well. Right. Okay. So second thing is, um, do, were you always a positive person forever or did, or did Cutco teach you to be positive? Cutco taught me to be positive. I mean, I think in general, I was always kind of like a funny, like I was like the class clown in school. Energetic. You know I, mean? so I was kind of funny. Positive. Um, yeah. But. But in my Cutco training is when I really learned about the the power of positive thinking, if you will. And I had never been introduced to that concept. You know, literally, like I don't remember a single time in school where they're like, like the word positive thinking, like that phrase ever came up. And I went home and, you know, after being kind of like schooled in like the value of positive thinking, which, by the way, just for anyone that's like, yeah, I don't I don't that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, the power of positive thinking, it's not that it solves all your problems, but neither does negative thinking. What positive thinking allows you to do is focus on the solutions instead of dwelling on the problems. You know, and, and negative people always justify, you always hear this justification that people go, I'm not negative, I'm just realistic. Yeah, right? well, that, yeah, yeah. And You're I always call BS on that because I go, really, how is it an ounce more realistic to focus on the things that aren't good in the world? than to focus on the things that are good in the world. How is it any more realistic to focus on, think about, and dwell on the things in your life that you have to feel bad about? How is that an ounce more realistic than for us to choose to focus on, think about, and dwell on the things that we have to feel good about? Right. And the quality of our lives is dependent on which one we focus most of our time on. It's not that you live in denial and you're like, everything's rosy and great. No, you're like, hey, this sucks, this sucks, and this sucks but I'm not going to dwell on them. I'm going to accept them, acknowledge them, learn from them, grow from them. And I'm going to focus all of my energy or at least 98% of it on what I want for my life and how to create that. Well, what you're saying is very stoic. It's a very stoic way of thinking. It's, it's this idea that, you know, there's, there's this obstacle and you can't control that. And therefore, instead of focusing on like, well, this boulder is blocking my entrance to the castle. Uh, there's, you know, I'm going to do everything it takes to move that boulder. That, that's not the problem that you're just not thinking another of another way around it. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, and, and from a physical, mental, and emotional perspective, 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of science behind the power of positive thinking and sure. how we, you know, we can literally influence our cells and, and regrow cells and, re and manipulate our cellular structure through our thoughts and our feelings. And so, I mean, I think that I don't have a graph to show people like, hey, look, I focused on walking again. And then you can see here how my body healed each day as I focused on positivity. Right. No, but I just know that, hey, they said I'd never walk again. I decided to focus on the fact that I could and that I would and put all my energy into that. And, you know, three weeks later, it happened. And all right. So then what was the next downfall? You know, so it's interesting, you know, I, I always say I've had two rock bottoms and the second one was worse than the first. And people always go, dude, you die. You like, die. What, you die. You know? what, can be, what can be worse than dying? Yeah, yeah right. what's worse than that? And, and, and here's the interesting thing, you know, um, you know, the, the old saying, everything happens for a reason, right? Um, I believe that everything happens for a reason, but not the way that most people think where they're like, everything happens for a reason and I'm just going to, you know, pray about it and I'm going to go through, I'm going to figure out what the reason is. I don't think it works. It's not some predetermined reason. It's that everything happens for the reasons that we decide. Right. So you can have a, a, a horrible thing happen to you and you could choose reasons like yeah, bad things always happen to me. And, you know, and it's it's like life's unfair and I'm just not lucky. And Obama's in office. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. all these reasons that like add no value to your life. Or you can go, you know what? This is the hardest thing I've ever had to endure. So I'm going to kick its ass and I'll be a better person as a result. I'll be more capable when it's over. Right. Yeah. So so for me, the uh, the, the accident was the first adversity. The second adversity uh, was when the U.S. economy crashed in 2007, and I crashed with it. I mean, uh, I was I was a coach. I, I had my own business. Uh, I had actually just I was a successful business coach, sales coach, uh, and life coach. Um, I was I had just started being paid to speak and kind of pursuing that dream. But I was like, I was got to get in 500 bucks, a thousand bucks for a speech. I wasn't like you know I hadn't made the big time or anything yet. And then my first book, Taking Life Head On, uh, that had come out. It hit number one on the bestseller list. And then get this, you guys. Um, Number one on the bestseller list for Amazon. And then my publisher, it was a small publisher because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. He stole all of my money from all of my efforts in book sales. And he closed down his company and he he like abandoned his house and his office and just fled the country with all of my money. Oh, so that nice. was my first experience as an author. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so, so the rock bottom occurred when though the economy crashed and I, I, I lost over half of my clients. I lost over half of my income, couldn't pay the bills, couldn't pay my mortgage, lost my house, stopped exercising, didn't exercise for a single day in six months, um, was eating horribly. And as a result of so much fear and so much uncertainty, losing the house, you know, just not knowing how I was going to support myself, I became deeply, deeply depressed and borderline suicidal to the point where, like, because I love my mom and dad, I would never kill myself and do that to them. But every day I thought about it. Every day I thought, I hate my life. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. I don't want to live like this. And so that, that rock bottom was so much more difficult for a few reasons. I've, I've kind of analyzed this. Number one, when I was in the hospital... I had, I mean, the one thing human beings need more than anything other than like food and water is love, right? Like to feel loved and that connection with other humans. Well, I had so much love and affection in the hospital. I had, I had like hundreds of visitors and my mom and dad were there. I had doctors and nurse. I had this hot nurse, Nurse Wendy, mm. like she sponge bathed me. Like that, isn't that a bad, <laughs> right? It's not a bad deal, right? No. Like how could that be rock bottom when you're getting sponge bathed by a hot Nurse Wendy, right? So, um... Uh, so, so when the U.S. economy crashed, right, I was by myself. It was lonely. Like I, I didn't have, you know, everybody was struggling. Like I didn't have people taking care of me. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that made it so hard was when the U, when, when the first rock bottom happened. Like 
I died. It, it really was the rock. Like I couldn't get worse. It was only going to get better with healing and time, right? Yeah, sure. Whereas the second time around, you know, I thought it was like every day. I'm like, oh my god, this is the worst my life's ever been. This is so horrible and scary, and I don't know what to do. And then I get a call I'm like, hey, Hal, I need to cancel my coaching. I'm like, God, no, another one. And it just it was this like downward spiral for six months. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and and my relationship was falling apart too. I mean, because I was depressed. I, you know, I was just I was a mess. And so that was the second rock bottom. And uh, I'll I'll turn it over if you guys have any questions or any any comments. And then I, I'll tell you guys how I turned it around faster than I ever thought possible. And this is what your listeners can can do the same thing with. Right. So uh, I guess that is my next question, which is how the hell did you turn it around and how to do it quickly? But also, um, you know. How come you didn't use your power of positive thinking during those six months of depression? Great question. And I, I've and I've thought about that, right? Because, yeah, it's like, why didn't I, I – like my philosophy is can't change it and all this stuff. And here's what I think. This was the perfect storm. Um, a buddy of mine who I really respected, he's very successful. Uh, this is about a year before – probably a year or two years before this, this second rock bottom. Uh, he called me. He said, Hal, hey, dude, have you heard of Adderall? This was like before Adderall was – like it had, I think, just come out, or I never heard of it, right? It wasn't like it is today. And mm-hmm. I, I said, uh, no, I haven't. He goes, dude, I just went to the doctor. He goes, I, I got d- diagnosed with ADHD. And he said, you ha- trust me. He goes, I know you. You're way worse than I am. He said, I got this stuff called Adderall, and it allows me to really focus and overcome my ADD or whatever. And I was like, okay. And he's like, dude, you should really go get some. Yeah. So I was like, okay. I didn't know any better. I went, got Adderall, started taking it, took it for a year and a half, two years. And then I decided, you know what? Then, like, all of a sudden, I start seeing, like, dude, Adderall's bad, and it's this, and, you know? And I'm like, it's, oh. It's, I heard I it's better if you snort it, though. That's that's the way to take it. Got I, it. Got I'm it. kidding. Probably, I'm kidding. 100%. I did that a couple times. Who knows? Oh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, but, no, so, 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 yeah, so I got off Adderall uh-huh. right when the economy was starting to tank. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I heard this is bad. I don't want to put anything bad in my body. Because, like, I literally didn't know it was bad. I thought, like, I was a vegan. I was, like, super healthy. I'm taking Adderall, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I stopped taking it. And so as a result of that, that's where I was, I believe that's why I was so deeply depressed and borderline suicidal was because of the Adderall. And then you take, you, you throw on top of that, you know, I was, I was literally coming off this, a two year addiction to this drug. Mm-hmm. And then you, you combine that with your life falling apart on the outside. And I couldn't think clearly, you know what I mean? I like, I couldn't like, I knew what I should do, but I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it was that it was the Adderall. And it was it wasn't until like years later that I looked back. I'm like, oh yeah, duh. I was like detoxing and you know, I was in withdrawals from this, you know, because I was taking a, a lot of Adderall every single day for two years. So great question though. So how did I turn it around? So uh, you know, it, I, I owe my wife for this. She was my girlfriend at the time, so she did stick with me, my wife Ursula. Um, I owe her for this because Oh, not day, it wasn't Wendy. Was, uh, no, no. Although Wendy and I did stay in touch after she got remarried, and you know, I I, I couldn't pull that. I tried, but yeah. Um, but uh, so what ended up happening was uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, she said, "Sweetheart, like I was like complaining to her, and like uh, you know, I was like proudly crying to her about how bad things were, and yeah. I didn't know what to do." And she said, "Sweetheart, I love you, but I I don't I can't help you. I don't know what to do." She said, "Why don't you call your friend John?" Ironically, the same friend that t- told me I should get on Adderall, right? Um. But uh, she said, no, you know, John is such a smart business person. He's, he's a business. He's so savvy. You know, he's very successful and he loves you. Like he's not going to judge you. See, guys, that was the challenge was remember, I was a success coach. 
So the identity crisis was very, very disturbing. Like I'm a success coach and I'm failing miserably. Right. So it's like, I wanted to tell people that I like, Hey, I need help. I'm a mess. But it's like, I needed this. I'm like, what am I going to say? Hey, I'm a mess. Do you know anyone that needs a success coach? That's a mess. (laughs) Right. 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 So she goes, call John. He loves you. He's not going to judge you. I'm sure he can help you turn it around. So one, I call John and I, I get, I, I, I talked to him for a little bit and he gives me this advice that I think is total BS. I'm like, he goes, Hal, are you, are you exercising every day? And I go, John, what the hell does that have to do? I'm, I'm financially in ruin. Like I'm losing my house. What's that have to do with anything? He said, Hal, you're a smart person, but if you're not putting yourself in a peak physical, mental, and emotional state each day, you're not going to be able to turn this around. He said, go for a run tomorrow morning. First thing, start running every morning. Even if it's only for 10 minutes. Listen to a self-help audio, some sort of business audio book or something. And he said, and, and start just focusing on, again, being positive, right? Focus on not your problems, but on the solutions. And I said, all right, man, I hate running. He said, what do you hate worse, running or your current life situation? I was like, all right, screw you. I'll go for a run. So I went for a run the next day, and I had the epiphany that led to the life change. And here's what it was. One, it was wait, one run. run. One run. That was it. The one run was the catalyst. Okay. And and then it was a two-month process that in two months, more or less than two months, I more than doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life to committing to a 52-mile ultra marathon that I completed five months later, having never run before other than you know PE class. Um, and my depression didn't take two months to go away. My depression was literally gone 24 hours after this run, after I applied what I came up with. And here, this was the quote that set it off. It's a quote from Jim Rohn. And the interesting thing is I had heard the quote before. You know, you have to hear something sometimes over and over and over and over and over. And finally, you're like, oh, duh. Well, that's, mar- that's marketing. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it clicks. And so for me, that's what happened here. And the quote was this. And this is worth writing down. If somebody's listening to this, grab a pen, write this quote down because it really is. It's, it's the foundation of my life now. Your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I'll say it again. Because success is something you attract by the person you become. So your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I realized I'm not dedicating time every day to my personal development. In other words, to become the person that I need to be to be able to create and sustain the levels of success that I want. And a way to quantify that, here's how I quantify it. If we're measuring success on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being ultra successful, 1 being mediocre, and and not just like financially or in our career, but every area of our life, our, our health, our relationships, our happiness, what level do we all want? The, uh, the highest. Right, yeah, nobody's like, I don't want too much money. I don't want people to judge me or come after me. You know, I just want like like level six. I want mediocre no. wealth and, and happiness, yeah, yes. Yeah, we all want, yeah, I don't want to be too happy. I don't want to be one of those positive people that annoys everybody, you know? So I want level <laughs> seven, you know? No, we want level 10 success in every area. And here's what I realized. The disconnect for, I believe, 98% of people on the planet, and especially in, in America, is we want level 10 success, but our level of personal development, which I'll define in a second, is at like a two or a three. And so therefore, our level of success is at a two or a three. And personal development, I define that as your physical, intellectual, emotional, physical, mental, physical, intellectual, and emotional vitality. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's developing your intellect through you know learning, growing, 
It's developing your physical ability so that you are in a peak physical state every day because energy is the, energy is the currency of success, right? The more energy you have, the more, you, the more motivated you are, the more you can overcome, attack, you know, and the happier you are. I mean, everything hinges on our ability to sustain energy, which is really a result of our physical, largely our physical vitality. So I realized that my level of personal development was like a two or three and that was why my success was the two or three. So my epiphany was this. What if I dedicate an hour a day every morning right when I wake up, an hour a day to my personal development so I can become the level 10 person that I need to be to create, attract, sustain, whatever you want to call it, level 10 success in every area of my life. So I did about an hour of research. I figured out what are the most the powerful, proven practices that I could do during that hour of personal development and I came up with a list of six, and I thought, okay, which one of these is the best? And then it hit me. What if I did all six? Some of the most successful people in the world swore by any one of these and attributed their success. I'm talking about millionaires and billionaires. Attributed their success to any one of these. I thought, I'm in a, I'm in a bad place, man. I want to turn this around fast. What if I did the six most powerful personal development practices every single day to kick off my morning? And then, I, and I, you know, I, it was theoretical. I didn't know if it would work. The next morning, I woke up at 5 a.m., which was crazy because I wasn't a morning person. I did the six practices by 6 a.m. That's where I was a different person. I realized my life is still a mess, but I don't feel that way. I've never, I, I couldn't remember a time in my life where I had felt as like energized and inspired and, and motivated and clear and driven and confident. And I thought, even though my life is still at a level two, I feel like a level 10 person. And I, I, I was like, this is amazing. Within two months, as I mentioned, more than doubled my income, which and to, I'll give you an exact figure. I was earning about 40, just under $5,000 a month, like 4,500 a month mm -hmm. at that time, which, which by the way, for most people, that's not a bad income, but my expenses were like $8,000 a month. So that's why I was going Jesus. to the whole, and yeah, and I was, and that's business and I was an entrepreneur, right? So that's business. Half oh. of those are business. Oh. Half of those are personal. Okay. Um, and I just bought my first house in California. So my, my mortgage was 2,500. My car payment was 800. I mean, that's like 3,200 right there. Right. So, um, the, and I had a, small house in California. Oh, wait, what but, kind of car were you driving? $800 a month. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's with insurance. My, I, I had an Infiniti G35 coupe. Okay. Um, but and my car payment was like 500 and then my insurance was like 250. So it was like 750 for the whole right. thing. But, um, anyway, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I went from 4,500 in income in less than two months. I was making $12,000 a month. And here's the thing. I didn't change jobs. I didn't get a promotion. I didn't get an additional income stream. I just simply by that morning, it's now, I call it the miracle morning, right? That's the title of the book. It was never going to be a book. It was my desperate attempt to turn my life around. And it happened so fast. I started calling it my miracle morning. Mm -hmm. And all right. So you seem to do things really fast. It just, you seem to be the kind of guy who can turn shit around quickly. And, and I want to know what these six steps are. You don't have to go into extreme detail, but sure. I'm curious as to like these six, I mean, that's six things is a lot to do in one hour in the morning. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what are those six things? So I, with the help of my brilliant wife, when I was writing the book, I organized them into an acronym. I was like frustrated one day. I'm like, how I need some sort of structure. She goes, why don't you get a thesaurus and figure out if there's any words that could, you know, 
spell a word. I'm like, oh, you're brilliant. So uh, again, if you're taking, if anybody's taking notes or just mental notes, th these are called the life savers and savers is the acronym, the six practices. Now, let me preface this by saying I almost dismissed these because none of these are new. Like when I read these six and it, these were from reading articles when I was Googling things like what do the world's most successful people do every day? Yeah. What are the best personal development practices like it was it was things like that i was reading articles on entrepreneur.com and huffington post and you know and oprah whatever like just reading stuff in fast company and on and on and on and so at first this list of six was just from like cross-referencing all these articles and i'm like i've heard of all of these like mm -hmm. one of them was meditation and i'm like how's meditation gonna make me money and then i came across an article called fortune 500 ceos that meditate and that got my attention i was like what these are like very results oriented, you know, people. And I read this article and I'm like, wow, these people swear by meditation as the single, like the game changer that has allowed them to, you know, like keep the mindset they needed. And, and the idea is to, to take their companies, you know, to billion dollar companies. Then I found out Oprah Winfrey hired the company Transcendental Meditation to train her entire staff with back at Harpo. And I was like, wow, that, she's a pretty smart woman. Then I found out Russell Simmons, right, founder of Def Jam Records, yeah. FUBU yeah. Clothing. I found out he wrote a book called Success Through Stillness. And I was like, yep. mm, maybe there's something to this. So here's the six practices. The S is for silence, right? right thanks to the, uh, the, the thesaurus, right? That was meditation. But silence is also, for some people, depending on your beliefs, that, that's your prayer time, right? So it's starting the day instead of chaos and rushing. It's and starting with meditation. And TV. Uh, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, dude. Facebook, your phone, like that, that really helps you become the person that you need to be to create the life you want, right? <laughs> right. So start with silence. The A is for affirmations. And affirmations are essentially written statements. By the way, I believe they are the most effective way from my own experience to develop the mindset, the confidence, the habits, and, and the focus to achieve anything you want in your life because you design written affirmations that articulate what you want for your life, why you want it, what you have to overcome that may hold you back from it, and what you're committed to doing every single day to achieve it. And when you read that over and over and over, science has proven you're literally programming yourself at a subconscious level, and it literally changes the way your brain is wired, so you will start to embody the achiever that you need to be to achieve whatever it is that your affirmations articulate. So you just reread the, the same affirmations? Say again? You just reread the same affirmations or you write down a new affirmation every day? I read the same affirmations, but they evolve. So I always say that as, as you grow and learn and evolve, mm -hmm. right, your affirmation should grow and learn and evolve with you. So if I read a quote in a book and I'm like, ooh, that's brilliant. Like I need to, I need to be thinking that every day. It'll go into my affirmations. If I'm reading affirmations over and over and over again and I get to a point where I'm like, you know what? I, like I don't even need this one anymore. I'll, you know, I'll cross it out. So like on my computer, I've got a working document called daily, you know, unlimited success affirmations. Right. And, and I, I will refresh those and regroup and on, on the printed version, I'll cross stuff out, write stuff in and once a month or whatever, I'll go and update it. Um, the V is for visualization and visualization is taught wrong, I believe, by most gurus in that most gurus teach you to visualize the dream. See yourself living, driving the car. Well, that's great. It, it, it's important because it helps you overcome the fear and insecurity that typically kind of prevent us from taking these desires, these goals, these dreams in our mind and actually going to work on them. Because when you see them as real, it creates more belief that they can happen. But that's the least important part of visualization. Visualization, if you do it that way, you actually just 
can go back to been playing video games and you trick yourself into thinking you're actually making progress because you're visualizing every day, which is bullshit. It doesn't do anything by itself. Mm-hmm. The secret is you've got to take your visualization after you visualize the end result, bring it to the present moment and see yourself taking the action you need to take today with purpose, poise, confidence, pep in your step and doing the thing you need to do that will get you that result that you've spent time visualizing. It's the action that you've got to see yourself doing in a compelling way to get yourself clarity on what you need to do to make your vision a reality. And the E is for exercise. And here's the thing is I still exercise in the afternoon. I go to the gym, I play basketball, but it's undeniable the benefits of morning exercise because what it does is it gets the blood and oxygen flowing through your body. It improves your cognitive ability. It improves your discipline and your willpower. It improves your ability to think clearly and make better decisions and it releases endorphins so you feel better. So, and it's only, by the way, the Miracle Morning, these six practices, I do them for 10 minutes each. That's how I started the Miracle Morning. It was 10 minutes Mm -hmm. for each of the six practices to do it over an hour. But it is scalable. There's a lot of people that do a 30 minute Miracle Morning and you do five minutes each. But in my book, I outline how to do this, and I, I, I even have a chapter called the six-minute miracle morning. And it's not hype, but literally, as I say, here's how you could do these practices for one minute each and get 80% of the benefit in one-tenth of the time. So the R is for reading. And I don't mean reading like Fifty Shades of Grey or Harry Potter or ah, whatever. damn right? it. Okay. Damn it. I know. Yeah. Th- yeah. I don't, unless you want to be a wizard or whatever, that like probably will help you. I was thinking more um, of Fifty Shades of Grey action, but all right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Or, or a gigolo, right? That yeah. will help you. Um, but uh, the, and that's not a bad career choice. I'm not condoning <laughs> or, or, you know, condemning it. But no, um, but books, you know, I mean, I believe that's the fastest way to increase your level of personal development from a two or a three to a 10 is you read books by people that have been there, done that, and they're, they're you know, they're giving you decades worth of advice in, you know, in, in, in a few hours. Yeah. And then the final S is for scribing. And scribing, that's a fancy word. I didn't even know what it means until I looked it up in the thesaurus. But basically, it was originally journaling. Journaling is one of the most proven practices. When you kind of the magic that happens when you put pen to paper and you get clarity on what, you know, you, you can write down things you're grateful for. I mean, you can use journaling in a lot of different ways. You know, I have a real specific format that I think is the, gives you the most bang for your buck that in the book I kind of outline this, you know, this format. But writing down your journal and then reviewing your journals is powerful. So those are the six practices. And like I said, none of them are rocket science. None of them are new, but they are the practices that some of the most successful people in the world from athletes, Tiger Woods, famous for visualization, right? Will Smith talked about on the Ellen show, how affirmations were what he believed were responsible for what allowed him to achieve the success that he's achieved, right? Jim Carrey talked about visualization. So on and on and on. And the lifesavers are appropriate because it's really those six practices will save 98% of our society from missing out on their full potential, on, on the life that they really want to live that so few people ever get to live. Hmm. I can tell you uh, from personal experience that I think I do two of those things that you mentioned. I do nice. I do meditation. I use a, I use an app called Headspace. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Which, which has built-in visualization, but not. I don't think that we're talking about the same thing. I think their visualization, their visualization is not, uh, you know, hey, I want to be this type of person. It's more like imagine this spark in the middle of your body, and it keeps growing, and it's just a, a form of meditation. Uh, and I also read yeah. in the morning. Uh, nice. and I do not exercise. And then I, I don't like, 
you don't you, you say you still go to the gym during the day, but in the morning, are we talking about like a couple push-ups? Dude, let, let me give you let me give you the game-changingest app. Actually, there's I'll give you two of them. The two most game-changing apps that I use during a miracle morning. Number one is called Seven Minute Workout. The uh -huh. number seven. And if you search seven minute workout um, the in the app store, the first three that came up, it's the third one down. It's free. And it's it's literally seven minutes. It's a full body workout. It's so I do three minutes of stretching in the morning and then I do my seven minute workout app. And it dude, it's killer, man. It's like you'll be I mean, unless you're in really good shape, you'll be like you'll be huffing, man. I mean, it's a pretty intense workout. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one is called five minute journal. And five-minute journal, you know, it's funny. If, if this doesn't tell you that I, I, I really believe in it, I actually have a Miracle Morning journal that is available for sale on Amazon. It's got great reviews. People love it. But I always tell people authentically that I don't think it's as good as the five-minute journal. <laughs> if you want to buy my journal, great. I make money off it. I appreciate that. But if you want the journal that I personally use instead of the Miracle Morning journal, uh, I use the five-minute journal. Yeah, don't get high on your own supply. That's what I always say. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so... All right, that's that's interesting, and and then but now, how does this? How did you relate this to you know? Since obviously this is a financial podcast, um, how do you think that this whole uh, yeah. this start to your day can can benefit you financially? I know you said that you were able to double your business in two months, but how does that like translate literally? Yeah, well, let me. I'll give you two. I'll give you two two answers to that. Number one, have you heard of Evan Pagan before? No. All right, Google him, E-B, like B as in boy, E-B-E-N, mm -hmm. and then last name is P-A-G-A-N, Eben Pagan. Um, he is a, he's one of the most successful entrepreneurs in America. I mean, he's, he's a solopreneur, works from home. I think he does about 20 to $30 million a year in revenue, which, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Um, well, he was being interviewed by Tony Robbins a couple years ago, and uh, Eben's a business genius, and it was a 90-minute interview, and um, you know, Tony asked him, how do you grow your business? All these questions. And at the end of the interview, Tony Robbins said, Evan, you've given us so much value, man. So many takeaways here. He said, but if you had to, if you had to wrap this up with one, the single most important thing that, and he said, you know, most of our audience, they're, they're business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're executives. They want to take their business to the next level. He said, what would be the single most important thing that you would tell them to do? And he said, without hesitation, he said, create a morning success ritual. He said, how you start your day sets the context and the mindset for the rest of your day. If you're like most people and you have a, you hit the snooze button, start the day with lack of self-discipline, you're literally telling your subconscious, I don't even have the energy or the, uh, the discipline to get my ass out of bed in the morning, mm -hmm. let alone do the things to create the extraordinary life that I'd love to have, be a millionaire, whatever it is. So, um, and Evan said, you know, but if you have a, if you have a lazy, lethargic, unproductive, undisciplined morning, that's who you're becoming from the moment your feet hit the ground or that you hit the snooze button. But if you have a discipline, if you get out of bed earlier than you have to, you work on yourself, you grow, have a growth oriented morning, a productive morning, a disciplined morning. You're literally becoming the person from the day, every day you become a better version of who you were when you went to bed. And every day if you get a little better and you're, you're focusing on learning the things you need to do to, to increase your income. And I'm going to give you the second part, which is more specific to that. Mm -hmm. um, right. But that's it. So again, not even taking my word for it, but of course I was very, you know, I was, I was jazzed. I was writing the book when I heard that interview with Evan. I was like, Oh, that's freaking brilliant. You know, <laughs> I mean, Evan says that that is the single most important thing you can do. And this guy's doing 25 million a year. Well, shit, I would listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think he's going to BS Tony Robbins. Right. And so um, now, but here's the second part. Here's the thing about the lifesavers. And I didn't even fully understand this until 
I was writing the Miracle Morning. See, I failed to write the Miracle Morning for three years in a row. It was my goal in 2000, I believe it was 10, 11, and, and 12. I didn't write it. Finally, at the end of 12, I wrote it. And I failed three years. Well, how did I finally write it? I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to use the lifesavers and I'm going to filter in my number one goal through all six of those practices. So if your goal is to become a millionaire, if it is to have a million dollars in revenue, if it's to become a billionaire, whatever your goal is, the Miracle Morning is I arguably the single most effective strategy to accelerate how fast you get there. By taking your number one goal and filtering it through all six of the Miracle Morning practices. So you can find a lot of meditations on, on abundance. In fact, there's a great one on YouTube. It's completely free. And um, it's uh, Deepak Chopra. And let me, let me give you the exact name of it so you can Google it. It's Deepak Chopra A to Z Steps Creating Affluence. Deepak Chopra, D-E-E-P-A-K. C-H-O-P-R-A, A to Z, steps, creating affluence. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic guided meditation where you can just close your eyes, and, 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 but it will get really uh, uh, foster your, your, you know, your, um, your money mindset. And then affirmations. You have affirmations that are aligned with your number one goal of becoming a millionaire, right? Your affirmations re reaffirm why, what, what your goal is specifically, by which date, why it's important to you, what you're going to do with the money, what your lifestyle is going to be like, and most importantly, in writing, what do you have to do every day to ensure that that goal becomes a reality? Then the V, you visualize yourself already having achieved it, and then visualize yourself taking the action steps during that day. Then the exercise. While I'm exercising, while my physical body is in a peak state, I'm always thinking about my most important goal, reinforcing it through every fiber of my being. Then when I read, I go to the reading and I'm reading books on achieving that. And by the way, if you want to make a lot of money, have you read the book The Millionaire Fast Lane? No. Really? you'll. Oh my God. Best book on becoming wealthy that I've ever read. It's by MJ DeMarco. So I would read that book three times in a row. I'd read it three times in a row because you can't read a book once and think you're going to get everything out of it. And by the way, I, I should uh, I should give a, uh, a disclaimer. The Miracle Morning is the first book that you read. And then <laughs> you read right? While you're doing your Miracle Morning, you read The Millionaire Fast Lane. But, right. um, and then last but not least is scribing, right? And that's where you journal and you, you essentially you in writing, you journal what what it is, how you're progressing so you can monitor your progress and track it, right? They say tracked performance is improved performance. So you track your progress on your goal in writing every single day and then articulate in writing in your journal what are the three most important things you can do today to keep you on track to become a millionaire, a billionaire or whatever your goal is. Right. And this I mean I a lot of information there and I appreciate it. Uh so I, I'm just and this is more of like a uh I'm trying to see how this pertains to uh, just somebody who's working a nine to five and is looking to retire early, right? Instead of say somebody who wants to be a pajillionaire uh, and be a successful entrepreneur, because we have a lot of people here who who don't necessarily plan on being a successful entrepreneur and just kind of want to get better with their finances. And I think uh, what you're saying and 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 it's something that I do personally uh, and would like to be better at is you know I'm I'm not a snooze button hitter, but I'm a guy who doesn't. Um, I don't have an alarm set, so I just wake up when I wake up, and I because I, I can do pretty much what I want in the morning. But 
Uh, is there some sort of benefit to being as to being rigid to that, or is it just you know saying that you're going to get up because you have to go to work at some point? Yeah. So here's the answer. So first and foremost, um, as far as people that are you know that aren't trying to be millionaires or or, on, or entrepreneurs, um, it, the point is it's it, this is universal, right? So the Miracle Morning and, and the Lifesavers, it's universal. It doesn't have to be financial. If your goal was to lose 20 pounds. You yeah. filter that goal through the six practices of the lifesavers, right? If your goal is to retire at a certain age, you filter that through. So instead of reading books like The Millionaire Fastlane on becoming a millionaire, you're reading books like Total Money Makeover on managing your finances and growing your wealth, right? Yeah. You know, you're reading books like Rich Dad Poor Dad or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but being intentional about your reading and making sure that you are constantly feeding your mind the the information, the knowledge, the 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 context that you need to achieve whatever you want to achieve. Like when I wanted to, when I was training to run my ultra marathon, I read a book called the non runners marathon trainer, right? I mean, that was where my focus was because yeah. it was such a big commitment. Um, and as far as the waking up in the morning, there's a couple things on that. You know, the miracle morning, like I wake up at three 30 in the morning, seven days a week. That's when I start three 38. Jeez. That's, a, that's pretty and early. <laughs> I know. I know I mean, exactly. And that's why I always, I follow that up with a disclaimer that that's not the miracle morning. It's not that you wake up at three 30 in the morning. Right. Um, and it didn't start that way. It started at five and then it went to four 30 and then it went to four. And I just kept, I was, I loved the morning productivity so much. I got addicted to it. I'm like, I want more of this. But do you go to bed at like seven? Four 30 in the afternoon. No, do you really? No, no, no. Oh, uh, no, I go to bed at yeah, at 930 PM. So okay. I, I have, a, I have, I've got two kids. I um, put my kids to bed at eight. Usually mm -hmm. um, try to get some time with my wife. Uh, if I don't fall asleep with my daughter, which sometimes happens, I read her story and we, we fall asleep together. Um, but, uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah. And then I go to bed at 930 and I get six hours of sleep to 330. Hmm. So it sounds like to me to kind of wrap things up here is that this yeah. is really just a, an exercise on being mindful on what you want to achieve for the day. So, I mean, for instance, this is a, we know we have a financial podcast and it's a daily podcast. So it comes out every single day. And a lot of people, we, we, you know, we have it go live at six o'clock every single morning, uh, Eastern time. And it's sometimes the first thing that people listen to when they wake up in the morning or if they're driving to work and just the idea of listening to people talk about money or money related things, it, you know, just puts them in the mindset of, I need to do something today to get better with money. Just as, uh, you know, like for me, waking up and doing meditation and reading a book about business helps me to get in the mindset of, that's what I'm here to achieve in the morning, or that's what I'm going to achieve for the rest of the day. So it's just yeah. a really, it's just a practice. I mean, you put it into a, a formula, a formula, but the idea is basically, you know, become mindful of what you are trying to achieve in that day and for the, the next few days and just make sure to keep that as a ha and build that up as a habit so that you can, you know, achieve those goals. Yeah. The, yeah. The, and the, and I'll, I'll, I'll add on to that. The premise of, of the miracle morning is it's a, it's a, it's dedicating time every day to becoming the person that you need to be to create the life you want, right? You want right. level 10 success, become a level 10 person. And the premise of it is starting your day, putting yourself in the best possible mental, physical, emotional, and intellectual state is going to ensure that you win the day, right? Mm -hmm. Like like Evan Pagan said, the, the the most important thing you can do is the morning success ritual because it sets your your mindset and context, you know, for the rest of the day. Well, that means that if you wake up right now, most people in America wake up when they have to wake up, right? Meaning they look at their schedule, like, okay, I gotta be I gotta be at work at eight a.m. It takes me thirty minutes to get there. It takes me thirty minutes to get ready. So I gotta wake up at seven a.m. so I can leave the house by seven thirty. Right? right? That's how they literally. It's like this medio mediocre morning. Right? It's like the opposite of the miracle morning. And if you think about that, if you wake up because you have to, rather than because you want to, so the miracle morning is just 
backing it up 30 minutes or 60 minutes, and it's waking up not at the last possible minute because you have to wake up, and of anything else would be, you know, for you would be like, no, I don't want to wake up and live life to the fullest. I'd rather lay here unconscious for an hour, right? It's just backing up whatever time you currently wake up. Doesn't mean you have to get up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or even 6 a.m. If you wake up at noon, get up at 11 and do your lifesavers, do your miracle morning, do your morning ritual like Evan Pagan said, so you can set yourself up to accelerate your success and achieve your goals physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, relationally, in every area as fast as humanly possible. All right, I have one final question for you. Yeah, fire away. All right, so there's a this is this could be overwhelming for a lot of people to start out. So if you had to give somebody one thing, one simple short thing that they could do in the morning to just get started on 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 this path, what would be that one thing? Uh, it would be set your alarm clock thirty minutes earlier. All right, let's say up. let's say they only have five minutes. Uh, uh, all right, well then uh, then so when you read the Miracle Morning book, which you know you can buy it on Amazon, of course. Um, read the, the chapter called the six minute miracle morning. You can literally skip to that chapter. Let me, let me even see. Um, but I mean, but if you had like, if you, if you only just, just to get people started, if they could do that one thing, is it like exercise or is meditation or is it? I mean, yeah, if I had to pick one, yeah, if you had to pick one, it would be exercise because getting your, do the seven minute workout. There you go. Or, Or there you go. Wake up, wake up 12 minutes early. Do the five-minute journal on the seven-minute workout. That, there you go. That, and it, that way, it's, it's guided for you. Like, the workout tells you what to do. The journal tells you what to do. So even if I would think maybe meditation could be more valuable or affirmations, though, you got to figure those out on your own. Sure. And so when people – when something's not easy, we tend to just kind of throw in the towel, right? If we're not – we don't have clarity. It's easier so, when it's guided, I imagine. I, yeah, it's I easier agree. when it's guided. So if you do, um, yeah, the five-minute journal, the seven-minute workout. But if I had to pick one, it would be the workout because – that impacts every other area of your life. When you when your physical body is is at a peak state, it impacts your emotional state, it impacts your intellectual state, everything else. All right. Well, you know what I'm going to do uh, because of this interview and uh, because I don't do it currently, I will do a morning workout and I will report back on the podcast about it because it's something I don't do. I do the meditation. I do the reading. But the workout I do not do and I think I sh- I've been telling myself I need to work out. So this will give me the excuse to start doing that. So – there you go. I'm proud That's, of you. Buddy. Yeah. Seven minutes. You can do a seven-minute workout. Uh, it might be like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, it might be like a couple push-ups. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, Hal, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and sharing all your your uh, your stories and, and uh, getting detailed with us on the Miracle Morning. I appreciate it. Oh, you guys. It's been an honor. And everybody listening, thank you for listening. Thank you guys for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Can people follow you on Twitter or Facebook or Instagrams or any of that? Yeah, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I just started writing for Entrepreneur Magazine or yeah, Entrepreneur Magazine online, which is kind of cool. But cool. the best place to find me, um, my website, halelrod.com, H-A-L-E-L-R-O-D. And uh, you can get a, you know get a few chapters of the book for free, some free videos. I got some free stuff on there. Cool. Excellent. Thanks so much, Hal. Take care, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. So, guys, listen, if you have any questions about this or anything other, any other topics regarding finance or whatever, you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. That's our email address. And please subscribe to the podcast. All you got to do is hit the subscribe button in whatever app that you use to listen to us, and that way you can get it every morning at 6 a.m. Uh, and also, look, if you really love the podcast, and I know that a lot of you do, and a lot of you have already done this, so I, I thank you. But, uh, I mean, we're talking about a 450 reviews so far. Uh, we want you guys to leave uh, a review on either iTunes or Stitcher, and I'm going to read a quick one. It's real quick. It's from Van Kalen from the United States. 
Love the podcast, guys. Five stars. It helps me get through my workday. Smiley face. Thank you so much, Van Kalen. I like that name. Uh, very, very good. So, guys, visit our website, listenmoneymatters.com, and check out our toolbox, where we have a lot of these tools that we mentioned here on the show up in that toolbox. And you can find that at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. And last but not least, I want to thank Betterment for being a sponsor on the show. So thank you, Betterment. And thanks again for hanging out with us. And, of course, we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.